We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think sometimes, you know, we have a vision of somewhere we want to go, but it's almost like, yeah, I want more money or something like that. But we don't really get to the root of the cause or what we want to truly live from a day-to-day experience. What are some of the strategies? What are some of the limitations and things that can hold you back? But it is almost like you're also looking at more of the traumatic events and kind of processing those things, looking at the past where I think a coach is really there where something, some challenges might come up, some patterns that you have that you might have to rearrange to create the life that you want. But it's more focused on, okay, this is what I want to create. Now, how do we get from point A to point B? Most people are so much living in resistance that they're avoiding dealing with their shit. There's a reason why some people call this like doing the work because it's work. And most people are totally in denial about their problems, especially in this modern culture where we're so focused on the future being where my happiness is and that everyone's supposed to be happy all the time and smiley and grateful and blessed. And that doesn't leave room for the reality of the crap that happens to us and our grief, right? And so people are running from it. They're they're finding something to be addicted to, whether it's a substance or their phones or attention or likes or binge watching stuff or shopping or whatever it is. They're just running away all the time. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen because you're gonna wanna take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. What's up, Coachable family? Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, and this is your space to come and get inspired, motivated, and get some tactical and practical things that you can apply to your life so that you can go to the next level and go to your growth edge. And I'm so excited for this conversation. I am today joined by Joelle and Natalie Rivera. They are serial entrepreneurs and life coach trainers who empower indiepreneurs to create a purpose-driven business and use their gifts to make money doing what they love through life coaching and entrepreneurship. They sound like my kind of people, which is why they're here. And I can't wait to dive in to the nitty gritty of what that looks like. But they have more than 700,000 coaching students from over 200 countries and territories 
Joel has a master's degree in counseling education and is currently completing his dissertation for his PhD in psychology with an emphasis on happiness. Who doesn't want to be more happy? I know I do. So I'm excited to have this conversation and dive in. Welcome you guys to the Coachable Podcast. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. And we also look at everything you do and say, oh my God, yes, she is our people. We share a common mission here and we're just excited to have this conversation. Yeah, we're truly honored to be here. And like, obviously we were talking before we even got on. It's just, you know, I think we really resonate with your journey and what you've brought to the table and your realness and your rawness and your disability to convey the message to help people transform their lives. So, mm. Well, you're only able to see that in me because that exists in you. I feel like we're all in good company here and I'm excited to to dive in with you guys. I know, you know, just reading your bio and thinking about what you guys have created and being able to help over 700,000 students as life coach trainers, that's no small feat. And I just want to know the background of that. Like, how did you even get into this work? How did you find and stumble into personal growth and development for yourselves? Because we all have a journey of like how we come into the work and how we're called to do the work that we do. So I'd love to get an understanding of what your journey was like to even get to a point where you felt like this was your calling to start to train the trainer who and train the people that are making such a big impact in the world. Well, I think it all started when I was about five years old. <laughs> Take me back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Take you back, right. Although it's yeah. not that far off. Because yeah. we both definitely, like a lot of the coaches that we've met over the years, we feel like we were always a coach. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a natural urge that we had to help people or, or think about things in a way that we could help people see. Like just, it just came naturally and probably close to about when we were five years old. Yeah. You know, and also having people come to you, tell you their problems and things like yeah. that. But, you know, for me, my personal development journey really took off when, you know, my brother passed away when I was 19 and he was 17. And that really kind of transformed. I had to my first year of college. I was a mess in running the streets and I was basically hopeless at that point. But something kind of awakened within me, you know, and right before he passed away, actually, we were sitting in a place where we used to sit in like 500 year old trees. And he was telling me he was about to pass away, but he was doing it. He felt like it was happening that he didn't want to die, but it was happening because it would help me transform my life. Wow. And at the time I was like, you know, you're just talking craziness. But when he passed away, it was almost like something shifted within me. And I said, I want to create something, go back to school and create something to help you go through some of the things that I went through growing up. And everyone thought I was crazy. He's like, okay, you're going to do that when you just literally feel college, right? And everyone said, you should be a garbage man or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but definitely like lit a fire under me. And then I was living on purpose. I took that pain and was living on purpose at that time. So, And so it's kind of a, an interesting way that we intersected as far as I had always been like, I was a personal development junkie myself, starting really early, maybe like 13, 14 years old. I just looked at the world around me and the adults around me and the life that they lived. And I was like, I don't want that. And I'm not going to take advice from people who hate their life. It just makes no sense. I always felt like I needed to be living very differently outside of the box, kind of like an entrepreneur, but I didn't really have a word for it back then because it was before being an entrepreneur was sexy mm-hmm. um, or even a viable option. But I just knew I needed something different. And I, you know, I found spiritual things amusing by like 16, 17 years old and, you know, like the power of now changed my life. And the Celestine prophecy. And I was very much always a seeker. And I had made this vision board when I was about to graduate college. 
which took me forever because I didn't really want to be anything on the list. But I, eight years later, I'm finally graduating and I make a vision board of what I want and I like circle a date on the calendar. And then a few days before I graduated, I was checking Craigslist and I found a listing for someone who wanted a business partner to take over running like a nonprofit youth center. And so I met the woman that had posted it and we clicked and I said, I'm going to do it. And the next Monday I started work and it happened to be the day I had circled on my calendar. And then this is where the story gets funny because that ad that I had replied to on Craigslist, he had posted. And it was a life coaching, life coaching center that we had opened up. And it was in honor of my brother's death when he passed, I shouldn't. I want to open up a, a youth center. And it was a basic culmination of 10 years of going to school and basically healing myself. And I opened up the center. And as soon as it opened, I knew that it wasn't where I was supposed to be necessarily, but I played my role in creating it, putting on the community in this one. Yeah. Kind of so he posted it. I responded. I had met his business partner. That's the woman I met. And so basically I took over his business. So we, our joke is that we started the same business, just not at the same time. And so for a couple of years, I was running this center and he was a college psychology professor during that time. And then we both kind of went through relationship stuff and ended up just meeting up just because he wanted to check on the business. And that was the first time we really actually met. And as soon as we met, it was like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Like we click, we have the same passions and interests, and we both wanted to have a partner that we could actually like share our life with that had a similar purpose. So, and then we've been on a crazy wild ride ever since then. There's a lot more that happened to get us to where we are, but we, the first thing that happened was we decided we don't want to coach people who basically have to do their, because they're court ordered, the parents are dragging them. We wanted to coach people who were seeking like we were, who wanted to change, who wanted to get real Mm -hmm. and find their purpose and live it and transform. And so we started to learn about coaching. And this was back in 2009, 2010. So coaching was new. And so we were just kind of making it up as we went along. Yeah. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people that listen to the show who are coachable. That's what it's all about, being willing to learn how to do something better and different and to grow, right? But I think it's easy for people to kind of get confused and be like, okay, do I need a coach? What does a coach actually do? Is it different? How is it different than therapy? How do you guys explain that to people in terms of what is a life coach and what can they help you with? And how does that differ from, how does coaching differ from therapy? So the way I like to say it is that it's like personal development with a guide or just someone to hold you accountable because sometimes it's just accountability. Sometimes you're actually like learning from them. So it depends on what type of coach. And another way that I like to think about it is that there are so many seekers out there. Like I said, I'm a personal development junkie. I read so many books. I would go to conferences and workshops and I would just consume all of this information and try to find something that fit with me. But I'm kind of unusual where I'm like the nerd that's like taking the notes and doing the activities. And most of the people I met along my journey that are into this sort of thing, they read it and they think about it, but they don't really apply it to their lives. And so that's really where a coach comes in is to help give you a structure where you're committed to someone and you have like 
something you're working on and someone that you're going to talk to about it and just apply the things you're trying to do in your personal growth. I think part of it is, you know, helping the coach can help you develop a big enough reason why you want to get to the place where you want to get to. I think sometimes, you know, we have a vision of somewhere we want to go, but it's almost like, yeah, I want more money or something like that. But we don't really get to the root of the cause or what we want to truly live from a day-to-day experience. And then once you develop an understanding of that, obviously, then you can also develop an understanding of how do you get from point A to point B? You know, what are some of the strategies? What are some of the limitations and things that can hold you back? Where I think with therapy, and obviously that's kind of my background, but it is almost like you're also looking at more of the traumatic events and kind of processing those things, looking at the past where I think a coach is really there where something, some challenges might come up, some patterns that you have that you might have to rearrange to create the life that you want. But it's more focused on, okay, this is what I want to create. Now, how do we get from point A to point B? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I have a program that I've run myself. And I, it, I think a lot of times when we're trying to create change in our lives, we have to understand how we got to where we are in the first place. I think that that awareness is helpful so that we don't recreate that and yeah. like continue to stay in these cycles and patterns. So we have to bring awareness to how did, how did we get here? And also what you're saying, which is let's get really clear on where we want to go and why and what that compelling life looks like and then make adjustments to and create a plan because, you know, good teams don't show up to game day without some kind of plan, game plan of how we're going to execute, how are we going to show up? And so I know, at least in my life as a coach and also working with coaches, it's so it's so like instrumental in my growth to have somebody that can create that container and that structure for me to do the work because it's often easy to think about doing it, read the books. But like you were saying, Natalie, it's all about application. And if we don't actually use it, then what's it for, right? (laughs) Knowledge is only power if it's applied. So what do you think are some of the reasons that people come to like get a coach? Why, when, whether it's the trainers that you're training, when people are considering getting a coach, what are those like few things that somebody could identify in their life? It's like, oh, if I have these, maybe that means I could really benefit from using a coach. And before I answer that, I just want to add something to what you're saying. And because I think it is very powerful about looking at the past and stuff like that. And, and and also learning from our patterns, because, you know, a lot of studies have shown that like 50% of your daily behaviors are repetitive behaviors or are triggered by an experience that you see. And it could be something, a lot of it's unconscious. Even like a lot of people, you'll be driving to work and you don't even know how you got there because you're living on autopilot, right? But that happens to every part of our lives, whether it's our relationships, the way that we communicate, everything is that kind of has that foundation. And I think that that coach or that person that we have in our lives can help us develop more of that awareness. And we can do that ourselves, you know, looking at like, I'm constantly reflecting on how my day went. Why did I do this? And, you know, where's that coming from? You know, where's that reaction coming from? So I think it is very powerful to kind of look at those things if we truly want to create change. Right. Yeah. And as far as what are some signs that people would see that would tell them a coach would be good for them? And also like, what actually gets people, people who seek a coach, why are they seeking it? And I'd say what I observe is the people who really want to be better. They want to be happier, but not just like in an entitled 
everything else needs to change and none of it's my responsibility sort of way. Like they take responsibility for themselves. They're trying to get better. They might even know what they want. And then the biggest factor is, is that they can't get out of their own way. It's like, I know that this is what I want. I know this thing that I'm doing doesn't feel right. And I can't figure out how to get myself to take the action. I can't figure out why I can't, why I keep sabotaging myself or why I'm just not motivated. Even though I say I know what I want, I'm sitting there scrolling Facebook for two hours or binge watching Netflix instead. And see, that's the thing. It's like if you want something and you can't figure out how to get yourself to do it, that I think is the biggest sign that a coach would be helpful. Whereas it's different with therapy where it's like, I know what I want and I really deeply feel like I'm not worthy of it. That's for therapy. Mm-hmm. If it's, I know what I want and I just am not able to get myself into the emotional state where I can handle even considering doing it. Again, therapy is more of a proper fit, but a coach can help you identify that. So that's the thing. Like, I love when you combine the two, where it's like the coach helps you kind of build the roadmap, like you said, like a container, and then help you figure out where are those spots. Cause you might have been through some things that are traumatic. You might have a trauma you don't even realize is trauma because of totally. patterns. You might, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe you'll find this little thing that you say, okay, there's more to uncover here. So I can let this go and it frees me to move towards what I want. And that the coach is like the one helping you look to the future, find the roadblocks, look to the past, see what they might do. And if it, you know, what might be causing the problem. And then help you discern, discern, is this something I can work through on my own? Is this something maybe we can do a coaching process together? Or do I need to seek treatment in a a deeper way beyond what a coach can do? But like having that person and that, I mean, it works whether it's for your own personal life or if it's for career or even that's why coaching has become a big thing in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Is it? I kind of actually, it's like having a primary care physician yeah that kind of looks as you at you as a whole versus having a specialist that's just like you know dealing with your skin condition right mm-hmm. then the coach is that person who can see the whole picture and right. that's what i really feel is is the benefit that's how i explain it too because it's like when you think before anybody might even think about having a life coach or business coach when you hear coach, you typically think about sports. So I always use sports analogies. And it's like, who is that person on the side of the field who can see the entire field that you can't see because you're so zoomed in on the play or, or what's right in front of you? You're not able to see in your peripheral behind you all over the field. And that coach is the one that can show you your blind spots, help you to see the things that you might not be aware of so that you can then make some adjustments in terms of how you decide to show up and play and and execute, right? And that is so, so valuable. As a coach myself, I would love to know what is that process that you take people through when they come to you and they're like, hey, I'm really like, I am tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Those are the people who are, are like ready to do the work because they've experienced enough pain of the cycle of repeating the same pattern, right? And they're like, I've got to change something up. I've got to interrupt this. So I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm ready to do the work, quote unquote. And what is that structure or that process that you take people through? Is it a one size fits all approach where it's like, OK, we take you through a 12 week program or a six month program? Or is it kind of tailored for the individual? How does that work from your perspective? Well, the first thing I'll say is that nobody changed because they want to. Right. Hmm. 
people change because they need to. So it's when you, when I've ever worked with someone, it's first helping them establish a need. Like it's no longer if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. So getting the person to first realize and get a big enough reason why they want to change, what pain is it creating and how is that going to look like in a year, three years or five years. And then again, like Tony says too, is then associating enough pleasure with change and then being able to have them feel it like, and I'm all about the unconscious mind, the reticular activating system and creating that the visualization process of it and helping people really look at it and experience. Cause I think that for anyone that you're coaching is first having them believe that it's possible, right? First, you have to develop a big enough reason why, but then also then helping them develop a, a belief that that's impossible. So how do you get there? How do you surround yourself with information, with people? And even experiences reflect on your own life when you face challenges and you're able to overcome those. That way you have at least that seed within you that says, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I would say that the reality is what you were, like you were asking is that every person is different. So, and we actually have like 30 something niche programs, depending on the outcome that you want Got to it. create. So whenever you work with somebody is first realizing like, what is their outcome that they want to create? And then there's different processes for that. So as I don't think there's a one slice fits all. And one thing that I tell coaches is the reality is that you just keep adding tools as you go along. There isn't like, even when people take our courses, I say, okay, you know, if once you take some of our courses, if you want to take some of our other courses, if you don't, but want to get information somewhere else, do some training, do other certifications. The point is that you just have to keep growing. Because the reality is that we are all unique individuals and the more tools that you have in your toolbox, the better able that you're able to help someone else change. Not only that, you help yourself change and then you can come from a personal perspective. The more you grow, the more your business is going to grow as a coach. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, that we, one of the biggest things that we're constantly saying, our students here are probably sick of hearing it is that we really don't believe that there is a one-size-fits-all. There is no formula for coaching. Yes, exactly what he said. It's like, you have to know what you want. You have to want it bad enough. You have to believe it's possible. You have to identify the roadblocks. And then you have to map out what are you going to do, right? So that part is very consistent in coaching. But it really starts to make a massive impact in people's lives if you focused on one area. And so it's niche calling, coaching, niche, niche coaching, whatever word you want to use for it. It's like, if somebody specifically wants to make a career change, then as a coach, you can say, okay, hopefully it's something that you understand, you've learned, you've been through, whatever. You have a blueprint of understanding what it would take, but then you can really get detailed about, okay, well, what's the next step? It's like, well, what is it that you don't like about your current job or career? What type of skills do you have that you feel like you enjoy, but you don't get to use here? What are your talents? What type of careers have you ever seen or experienced that you find like you would be drawn to? What opportunities are like that? It starts to get very specific it, and you can make a bigger impact in their life if you're focusing on the specific need that they have and the change they're trying to make. So we're major advocates for niche coaching. And having that, that coaching focus you choose be based on something that's personal to you. So unlike therapy, where there's some really strong ethical reasons why you should not share anything personal, ultimately ever, it's not the same with coaching. Right. Because 
you're not you're not trying to deal with someone's deep unconscious wounds and pains and trauma or any sort of mental illness. You're dealing with someone's life. So it's actually beneficial for whatever it is that you're focusing on in your coaching to come from a place of something that you've you know about. You're an expert in it. Maybe it's because of the career you were in for 10, 20 years. Maybe it's because you went through hell and back and you know how to survive it. Maybe you've been through loss. Maybe you've been through divorce. Maybe you've you know, had to overcome health challenges, whatever it is, that there's something that you've been through that then they're going to be able to relate to you. And it's not that you're telling them, this is what I did and this is what you have to do, because that's also stepping over a line. It's more like just being able to be evidence for them. Yes, you can get through this. Yes, this is possible. I'm going to share what worked for me and I'm going to help you figure out what's going to work for you. And that then it's like then coaching takes on this whole other level, whether you're the coach or you're the person going to a coach. Yeah. That gives you like not only the support that you probably don't get from friends and family because they don't understand you. And you probably most people don't have people they can trust that they can right. use with it. It gives you a support. And it also gives you a roadmap. And that that's like when coaching is like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. These having a space where you can come work. It's like. If you're an entrepreneur, you you understand what I'm saying when it's like the difference in working in your business and working on your business, <laughs> right? It's a lot of times we're so in our lives, we don't work on our lives and have that time in that container where we can zoom out and be like, what do I actually want? And what is are my values? You know, I ran a one day event recently last weekend and a lot of these people that were coming in there are high level entrepreneurs. They're doing very well. The high performers, even if they're they're not entrepreneurs, they're doing really well in their businesses, have a lot of awareness, have done a lot of work. And just even creating a space for people to come and just reflect on, hey, how are my choices? Are my choices being driven by my values? And let me just take an hour to like to to popcorn this and talk about it with the people in the room is so valuable because otherwise these are just conversations we're having in our own minds, right? And it's so valued to get that important to have that distance from it so that you can see how you're relating to these things in your life, right? And how, you know, am I actually living in alignment and is there cohesion between what I say I want and how I'm actually showing up? But do you find that, you know, as you were just talking about the differences in therapy and coaching and how a coach can truly help you, which I've experienced the benefits of, and obviously I'm a proponent of, I'm a coach myself, I've noticed that unless you do deal with the unconscious belief systems and unresolved trauma, it will continue, that those wounds will continue to perpetuate themselves no matter if you have all of the desire and motivation in the world. It's like something's going to continue to trigger and push on that unhealed wound, right? And which might trigger some kind of survival strategy or self-protection mechanism that says, even though I really want to get in shape, even though I really want to start a business, even though I really desire a, a healthy partnership, this unresolved thing that I would probably deal with in therapy is getting activated and it's sabotaging my my drive or my motivation or my desire. Do you find that? Because for me, it's like I've had to have, it's not one or the other, it's both and. In my experience. Yeah. When I definitely agree that obviously there are core issues that we have to get to, you know, because for example, if you have, if you keep saying, I want to lose weight, but then you keep having problems with it. And your core issue is that, you know, if I lose weight and I look all sexy, 
then I feel like unconsciously men are going to take advantage of me or they're only going to see me for this or whatever it is, right? So because of maybe a past experience that you had that was traumatic or whatever it is. So I think that, yes, we do have to get to some of the core of those issues of our behavior to understand where they're coming from, to be able to kind of move forward and release them, you know, because I think at the end of the day, even our own trauma is the way that we react. It's our brain trying to protect us. Totally. Because it's telling us, you know, there's this happened. We don't want to feel this pain again. So it's helping us understand what that pain is and what is served in our lives, what blessing that is served in our lives so that we can release it and even change our perspective of it. Because I think that the biggest challenge sometimes is not saying dwelling into an experience is really being able to look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And to well, be able to say, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, you brought something up earlier and you and I have this in common in the sense that we lost siblings. And just as using that as an example, right, for something that you and I have both experienced, it would be easy to create a story and be traumatized to some degree by that experience and that loss and create a story that for me, one of the stories I've had to really work on is the people that I love leave me, right? That I lose the love that I so, you know, so greatly desire. And I've had to work with that. And just like you were saying, just because something you've experienced in your, your past, the brain is trying to protect and and predict if that's potentially going to happen again. And so I've watched myself throughout my life go into these unconscious patterns of, okay, this feels like a threat. Oh, this feels familiar. Now this is what we do to survive and to get through those things. How, like for you, Joelle, like how did you not allow, or maybe you did and you've learned to like overcome this and I would love to hear what that's looked like for you. The things that you've experienced define how you live your life now or influence your behavior and and your habits and your rituals because it's really easy and unconscious and human to do the self-preservation thing. So what does that look like for your own life and personal journey so that you can show up in the way you want to show up and not let your past define your present? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it short, right? Because there's many different levels to that. Obviously, when I lost my brother, I had a, a similar experience to you. I, when you lose someone at a very young age that you, for me, my brother was like unbreakable, right? So it's, but then I also lost several friends that year within a few months. So then I got to the place where I did not want to be close to people because I would feel like if I gave myself to someone and really got close to them and loved them dearly that I might lose them. And I don't want to deal with that pain, right? Yeah. So for me, it really took a long time of processing. I also had this need that I couldn't waste any time because my time could be taken at any moment. So I became severely obsessed with like going to school full-time, working full-time, having a side gig, sleeping three or four hours a day, just trying to create, but not really dealing with the issue. And it really took, you know, a lot of work, reading a lot of books, you know, going to therapy and, you know, especially as I got older and really processing some of those things, really being in that space of silence. I actually ended up, you know, I stopped teaching. I ended up just sitting and taking like a month or something fishing, which I didn't like at all, but it was almost like I had to be silent 
And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves the ability just to stay silent with our thoughts because we're afraid what we're going to find. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to have to deal with it. So for me, it was an ex- exploration phase. And part of what helped or really transformed me, I got sick and I was bedridden for a year. And in that process, I really just sit there and just really reflected on life. So it's almost a sabbatical of all my experience of what I want to create and the pain of it all and just trying to release all of it. Because I also recognize that your body holds on to all those things, right? And you don't see the damage that it's causing for you. So my transformational process was one, you know, writing more things down, finding something that also is a release for me. Music is a release. So I would freestyle a lot. Like I put the mic on, put a beat and just kind of let go and, and have a way to release that and really reflect on some of the patterns that I did throughout my day, you know, throughout my life and taking that time and then surrounding myself with people, even my wife, having those deep conversations where I can really understand myself from a different perspective and being open to having other people share those things that maybe you're not aware of. But I would say it's a lifetime journey. You know, there isn't a lot of us look for that quick fix, whether it's in business where it's like, oh my God, if I do this, I'm going to become rich. Or, oh my God, if I do this and all the trauma, everything is just going to be clear. And I think that we also have to learn that life is a process mm-hmm. and yeah. that there's always room for growth. There's always room for learning and that it doesn't happen overnight and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It's, it is. It's, we're always so hyper fixated on the destination of even in the way that we use our language. We're like, I'm getting there, you know, getting where, you know what I mean? Like, where are we getting to? I've never been in my future. I've only ever been right here, right now in the present moment. There's only this. Where am I getting to? And we create this time between where we are and where we think we want to be and that we then live within the construct of that idea and how long it's going to take us to heal or how long it's going to take us to get where we want to go. And and then we place our happiness or our peace in that destination. And I love what you're saying. It's like if we can accept that all of this is unfolding, like we're only ever in the present moment, can we just learn to be with what is currently? instead of resisting it. And that's where I wanted to go with my question is around resistance. Because I know personally and with my clients, as we, when we decide, one, I want to create something new. I want to change some habits, some behaviors, et cetera. I want to do something I've never done before. The next, as soon as we get clear about what that is, resistance comes up. Because then it's like, all right, we're going to have to step into the unknown. We're going to have to step into the un- like places that are unfamiliar and get out of our comfort zone. And that's kind of scary. And so there we go. We're hit with this resistance, even to s- something like being silent, being still, listening to your own heartbeat, connecting with your breath. So many of us run from ourselves and we busy. We like like you were saying, you just you were living with such urgency. You felt like you had to do everything right now. I definitely relate to that. And some of the things that I had the most resistance to were the things that were best for me. So I guess my question is, one, why do you think we resist things that are good for us? And two, how do you help clients navigate and overcome their resistance so that they can create that transformation and create something new? Well, it's funny because it, it ties into the what we were talking about earlier about like, well, basically what what is the point of coach, right? Mm-hmm. Is that most people are so much living in resistance that they're avoiding dealing with their shit, right? Like totally. there's a reason why some people call this like doing the work because it's work. 
And most people are totally in denial about their problems, especially in this modern culture where we're so focused on, like you said, on the future, being where my happiness is and that everyone's supposed to be happy all the time and smiley and grateful and blessed. And that doesn't leave room for the reality of the crap that happens to us and our grief, right? And so people are running from it. They're they're finding something to be addicted to, whether it's a substance or their phones or attention or likes or binge watching stuff or shopping or whatever it is. They're they're just running away all the time. And then what happens is these people who are the ones we love that are the seekers that start to go, hey, all this stuff I'm doing isn't working. All this stuff I'm buying is not making me actually happy. And they start to seek something better, right? So it's like, okay, this is great. This is step one. And that's why it's so important, whether you're doing it yourself with a coach, is to say, what do I, what would I really want? Not even just what do I think I want. What would I actually want if I didn't give a shit what anybody else thought and I wasn't doing what I should do or what my parents want me to do or what the culture says is the right thing for me to do? And I like, what do you actually want, right? And then you start to go towards it. Exactly like you said, the very next thing that happens when you first take that step is the resistance pops up, right? And what is that resistance? What it is, is that there's a billion reasons why you weren't already doing that. The only difference now is that now you know that you're the one getting in your way. Mm-hmm. So the yep. resistance popping up is a really good step because for the first time you get to look at it. And if, if you're one of the small very small percentage of people who doesn't just give up then and keeps pursuing it, then it's like, okay, what's coming up for me? Mm -hmm. And then when it comes up, I feel resistance here. Like you can actually feel it in your body. It's like, I want to go there. I start moving towards it. And then I hit a wall. And then you, you just, you step back. Why am I feeling that way? What is it about? And keep asking questions. Like, just keep, ask yourself why, like, I love this activity. Ask yourself why, get an answer. Ask yourself why, get an, and then keep digging till you get to the root. And this is hard because you have all of these things in your mind that have been developed to stop you from looking at the things that are scary. And so I look at it as a coach, or if you're just on a personal development journey, it's a journey of discovery. And you're going to find some stuff that is very unpleasant there. And it's just then you find it. It's like a little gift. You open it up. You see what's inside. You're willing to look at it. And then you continue to do the work. And some of those things for some people will lead you to something that requires therapy. But for most people, you can handle it on your own. You can handle it with a coach as long as you're willing to keep being open. And so that that's the answer is that the resistance is what we're looking for. We're trying to find these roadblocks and you can't see them until you set your goals on something and then you start to move forward. And the truth is that's like, I just want to like celebrate everybody who's listening to this. Most people never ever get outside of their autopilot in their entire lives. They don't care. They don't ever learn anything after they finish high school or college. They never read a book in their lives. They don't go to conferences. They don't listen to podcasts. Most people don't. Because they're too terrified to face the truth. So if you're listening to this, like, I'm sorry, like, oh, my God, yay. Like, you're one of our people. You're you're people. (laughs) And like, but it's also don't fall for the the positivity thing that goes on in our culture now that says it's all supposed to be butterflies and rainbows. Because if you're doing it right, this is going to hurt. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you go looking for the pain and like obsessing over it and focusing on it. 
but it's uh, somewhere in between. Like you don't want to shut down and tell yourself there's something wrong with you because you can't get out of bed sure. and that you're afraid to do things. Like that's normal. It's called being a human being. Like welcome to the club. Yeah. I mean, I hear so many things. One, when you're talking about people that are just running away, I think about the idea and the question. And Joelle, I think this is probably something you and I had to grapple with early on. It's just like, am I living or am I existing? Mm -hmm. Right. Am I living or am I surviving? They're different. Right. They're different. And I think a lot of people who are in that numbed out, disassociated, denial state are existing, right? They're not truly living. They're just in habitual unconscious patterns every single day. And they might experience some level of discomfort or unease or or misery or whatever, but they're more committed to living a life that they're, they're attached to that familiarity, even if it's painful, even if it's not serving them, right? And then there's the whole other group of people that actually start to step into the unknown are actually start to to do something different and then they feel the resistance and like you were saying that resistance is the thing we're looking for because it shows us our edge and that's where we want to we want our freedom is on the other side of that and one of my great teachers peter crohn says life will always present you with people and circumstances to show you where you're not free you don't have to go looking for it just go live your life and see where you get triggered see like literally the other day i'm sitting in the gym parking lot. It's 8 a.m. I pull out my phone and I am coming up against that wall you were talking about, the resistance wall. It's literally almost like a physical thing. I can feel it. And everything in me is like, don't want to do this. Don't want to go in. So I pull out my phone because I'm having this internal dialogue. I'm literally witnessing myself want to turn around and leave. I pull out my phone and I was like, I'm making this video because I'm sitting in the the gym parking lot. And the last thing I want to do is go in. What I want to do is go to Starbucks right now, but I'm not (laughs) going to do it. I'm going to do this. And then you see me in the next frame, get out of my car. And then I'm like, okay, half the battle is just getting here. I'm here. Like, let me kind of lower my expectation of let me just get in the door. Let me just like pick up one weight, that kind of thing. And it as small and trivial as that is now, when I look back on it, this was just a couple days ago. This was me. One, I brought awareness to my resistance. I noticed it. And then I like spoke. I like spoke to it. I gave it a name. I called it out. And even just calling it out and then publicizing that, it gave me distance from it. It was no longer within me. It was now this thing that it's I'm up against and I can work with. It's not who I am. And that was so helpful. And in overcoming this feeling that felt in the moment debilitating and paralyzing. And so I think part of it maybe in like part of the the process if you will is creating distance from the said issue or or challenge or trigger and starting to see it a little bit more neutrally for what it is so that you can work with it instead of being afraid of it and then having to be a slave to this feeling that you're experiencing. Yeah. When I think it's very powerful what you're saying about so anyone listening out there is, you know, obviously NLP uses this where you kind of see it at a distance, also naming it. And so that way we kind of depersonalize it. Because I think a lot of times, you know, we do identify with some of our emotions or some of our experience. And totally. you, know, you might even catch yourself saying, I am just 
this, you know? I'm lazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a morning person. I'm not lovable or, you know, whatever it might be. But then you, people don't recognize how powerful our unconscious mind is. And I used to work as a college professor and a lot of people have a negative association with tests. And one of the things that I would always do is kind of like write happy test day. And I would have them write how great they are at taking tests. And then I would give them some stupid questions, kind of self-reflection questions. When I meet stupid, something that's not really that challenging and that they're not really going to get graded for. But by the end of the semester, all the students were saying how they were, all their test anxiety had gone away with other classes and how they were mm. doing great because they no longer identified with being a bad test taker. Because right. if you sit that, your brain says, okay, let's prove it right. And I just want to go back to coming to the, some of the resistance because one thing that I found is that when I was sick, my blood pressure used to skyrocket. Like for no, I used to wake up every hour on the hour with my blood pressure 180 over 120, heart rate like in 150s, 60s, night sweats, not knowing why. And I found myself resisting it and it created more trauma. It created like more pain. I feared it. And one of the days I was home alone and it happened. And at that point, you know, I can barely sometimes even walk to the bathroom by myself, you know, because I needed help. And my body started doing what it was doing. And I just closed my eyes and I started thanking my heart. And I started just being grateful because it's still beating. And I started thanking my body because I knew it was doing what it felt it needed to do at that moment to protect me. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of what happened with that, it changed my perspective. And it also helped me understand how can I then find purpose in this? And you ask how we got the 700,000 students. And this is why I'm mentioning it. Because at that point, I became obsessed with saying, if I die tomorrow, what do I leave behind? I've done a lot of workshops, created like programs and all these different stuff, but everything dies with us because at the time we didn't have really have anything digital. So I started studying online courses and how can we share our knowledge? And as I got better, I would maybe, you know, spend like 10 minutes, you know, recording and then sleep for the rest of the day because I was so weak. And then, you know, we, we just trusted. We said, okay, I don't know where this is going to go, but I feel like I'm on purpose and I want to contribute. And regardless, if we have to live in a box after this, we're going to just do what we're doing out of love. And obviously, yes, we learned business skills. We learned, we studied how people were being successful at online courses and all these different things. And it just, once you start putting it out there, it just kind of took off a life on its own. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that when you, face that resistance sometimes. You're open to the possibilities of life. And then things just magically sometimes happen to you if you just take the next step mm -hmm. and trust that something's going to happen. And I would say that, how would I say this? So one of the things you said, pointed out is so important about in the moment where you accepted what it was and you stopped fighting it. Mm-hmm. Part of that wasn't letting it go. It was allowing it, right? And so I think that, again, part of this obsession with positivity, a lot of people are really afraid to allow themselves to feel how they really feel. Yeah. And that that's what you're resisting. So every time you feel yourself resisting anything, what you're resisting is that either how you're currently feeling or how you think you're going to feel when you do something. Okay. So that's what you're resisting. Everything anybody ever avoids is how they feel. Yeah, that's, That is the root cause of all avoidance mechanisms. So the next time you find yourself doing an avoidance or a me mechanism, 
ask yourself, what feeling am I trying not to feel, right? right? And so nothing could be worse than being in his situation where basically your body is just doing its own thing and shutting down is terrifying. There's no worse feeling to have to accept than that. But he right. did it in that moment and it was transformational. Yeah. Even something like going to the gym, it seems like like a little thing in compared to like your body dying, right? But it's right. not. Because in that moment, there's probably a dozen different things that are behind the feeling of why you didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And that being willing to, like he said, call it out, observe that it's happening. When you do that, you take that step back. You're allowing it to be there. And I feel like that that's what's transformational is like, don't tell yourself, you're like in that moment, you could have said, oh, this means I'm lazy. Oh, this means there's something wrong with me. Instead, you just observed it. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's how I feel. And then you also like, that ties back into what he was talking about earlier. Like, yeah, it's painful to make yourself go in there and do that. It kind of sucks to work out, right? But, and it sucks to make yourself do it when you're feeling all this resistance and anxiety and whatever. But it sucks less than not doing it. hundred percent. And that, that, that's what like most people, they're, everyone, everyone is avoiding something that's painful, right? The only difference is if you can get yourself to associate more pain to staying the way you are, mm-hmm. then the pain that you associate to changing, that's when you can transform. Otherwise, you're just going to keep avoiding all the things that you say you want, but you're afraid of because it's more painful you're more comfortable just staying how you are. You become yeah. apathetic. And that like going through like, obviously I wasn't the one sick. I was the one being the caretaker for a sick person and ha- trying to run a business with a sick person. And it impacted my life too. So both of us, it was like, it was only once we started to actually acknowledge how we felt and how it was impacting us that then we had the opportunity to uh, turn it into something. Right. Because you, as long as you're still pretending everything's fine when it's not or you're beating yourself up for not being perfect and smiling bubbly all the time then nothing's gonna move yeah I think the key to what we're, we're saying what you just said so so beautifully is like it's creating a space to be neutral and observe what is happening and ask the question can I be with this can I be with this in this moment because Every part of me is saying, fight it, resist it, push it away, numb it, whatever. And instead, can I open up to it and say, it doesn't mean I have to like it, right? It doesn't mean it feels good. It doesn't mean it's ideal. It doesn't mean it's what I want. But can I be with it is the precursor to freedom because it allows me then to actually come face to face with the thing that's in my way instead of this illusion of like what's actually like I'm up against. So it's like I remember for so long and I still when I get caught in kind of a downward spiral of of thinking and patterns I catch myself and it's typically there's something that I am resisting, right? A feeling I don't want to feel. And I ask myself there's some kind of belief that I have it it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this hard. This thing shouldn't have happened to me. I shouldn't be sick. My body shouldn't be operating like this, right? And that in itself, our idea of how we want it to be, our expectation of how we think it should be is then predisposed on what is actually happening. And we're unhappy about that, right? Okay, how we want things to be and how things actually are aren't the same. And so then I am a victim to my circumstance. So what I'm saying is when things don't go the way I want them, 
then I'm upset. And then my entire life then becomes the need to control circumstance so that I can be at peace or I can be happy. And that is what I've realized is that's true being a, a slave to my mind because then I am trying to control all of life. And God knows I'm not a good God, right? I'm not good at like managing all. I can barely manage my calendar, much less control everything that's happening around me. Yet that's my like perspective. It's like I need to make this exactly how I want it to be for me to be okay. And what we're saying is if I can be an acceptance of what is and just saying, hey, I can be with this, what I'm starting to get to is and start to soothe is this part of me really afraid of not being okay. I think a lot of us, we live with, regardless of its high or low level of anxiety, we do so because there's some part of us that believes that ultimately we're not going to be okay. And so we feel the need to like make it all have a plan and be perfect and all the ways that we cope and all the ways that we try to, to make it okay. And then when something unexpected happens, like your your body starts to to shut down or you go through something difficult, you go through a divorce, whatever, then all of a sudden you're in just a spiral and you don't know how to get out. And so I think part of what we're talking about here is learning how to be with what is instead of trying to change it. Because as you allow it to be there, it starts to transform yeah. when you yep. start yeah. to notice it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I completely agree because I think that we also live in a society that we're quick to just try to fix a problem, right? Uh-huh. And and I'm all for problem solving. I'm all about finding solutions to anything, you know. But sometimes we do have to give ourselves that space to truly understand what we're even trying to solve, right? Because right. if we don't know, we might just keep running around in circles and not realizing that we're just not actually creating the life that we want. Uh-huh. And I, I see it with a lot of people too, even when we talk about like say, like careers, right? And having kind of that space is like they're unhappy and they're like, well, if I go to school for 10 years and do this, you know, obviously then I'll get a career and I'll get a job that pays me enough. And then once that happens, then I'll be happy and I'll be able to travel and do all those things, right? And for a lot of my students, sometimes I would say, well, maybe college is not the right, if this is what you want, why don't you just go for that? You don't have to spend 10 years or five years of your life creating something so that then that gives you the opportunity possibly for something that you want to create so but they don't know that until they actually sit back and really reflect on what is do i want out of life and why am i even doing this like is that really what i want and for me like rewinding a little bit back you know losing my brother and everything gave me that sense of urgency but i was like and, and people would complain about small things and i'm like dude do you know that you can die tomorrow you know, you know that you can lose that person tomorrow and this is what you're looking to focus on. It's like, I don't have time for that, you know. But then I also realized that during that process, I wasn't giving myself the space mm-hmm. to really look at what I was creating and why I was creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I, so it's funny because I'm, my brain, like the way I, my brain works is I connect dots. And so I'm, my brain seeing all these things that we've talked about that we've all mentioned kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. this last part here about how some people become obsessively focused on trying to force life to submit to their will yes and they think that they should be able to control everything the world should be perfect and everybody should basically kowtow to my needs mm-hmm. because i deserve it 
And it leans really strong towards entitlement. Mm-hmm. And then also they usually add on to it. Plus, I'm supposed to feel really good and happy and perky and great all the time. And then, of course, you're going to be miserable and disappointed because that's not how life is. And then you have other people who basically, like, they have no tolerance for discomfort at all or disappointment at all. And so they don't try to do anything. They just submit. They just live a mundane life. They don't try too hard. They just want to, like, they're cool with just living in a survival state. They have no inclination to do anything. So we have these two extremes. Where people in the middle are the ones who, what I like to call it, is taking radical personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Is that place right in between where you're like, I'm going to own what I can own, but I'm going to acknowledge that I can't force it on the rest of the world. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and another piece that connects into that is what you're talking about is that you were saying how in your mind it was like, well, this should be that and I should be this and this should be that. And you have all of these shoulds and I call it shoulding on yourself. Start shooting on yourself. But what's even more powerful than recognizing all the things that you say should be about yourself or others or the world that really, no, they shouldn't. Whatever it is, is fine. Mm-hmm. Is thinking that a lot of those things that we hear in our head that say that we should or it should be this way, it's not even our own voice. Yeah. We only believe it because this is what our culture told us or this is what our mom repeated to us a billion times. So, Again, it's about that place of responsibility where you say, you know what? I hear myself saying this is how it should be or this is what, how I should be. Is that even my voice in my head? Where did I get this idea that this is how it's supposed to be? And then ask yourself, like, does it have to be that way in order for the world to be perfect and me to be happy? Or has there been times in my life when, you know, there wasn't anything great going on. Maybe there is even something shitty going on, but I actually had a good experience and I felt pretty good. So if that's the case and I could feel good even in a crappy experience, then maybe I don't need to have the perfect life in order to be happy. And it's just, again, it always comes back to that middle path where you take responsibility and you step back and and you stop trying to control life, but you also don't just become apathetic and stop trying to create the life you want. So it's like, it's walking that that balance point. Don't mm-hmm. give up, but but don't keep shooting on yourself either. Right. Yes, I totally agree. I have a, a exercise I used to take people through, where when you say I should, I'm sure all of us can immediately start to think of a laundry list of things. I should go to the gym. I should do laundry. I should clean the house. I should call my mom. I should save more money. I should whatever. Right. We immediately think of all the things that we're not living up to that we should be doing, quote unquote, to have a better life or more money or whatever it is. And that creates all this anxiety and pressure and like buildup and burnout. And so what I have people do is write that list. I should blank and put everything that you think of there and then ask the question, why? Why? Why should I do that? Well, it's the right thing to do. Well, who told you it was the right thing to do? Is it really? You know, or because my mom wants me to do it, or because my boyfriend thinks that I should, or because, you know, I watched some TikTok that told me that I should be doing this, right? So ask yourself why. And a lot of times this can start to illuminate, well, is it something that you this originated within you, or you have picked this up from external like influences, social media, family, friends, et cetera. And then I have them rewrite the list with the same things that they wrote down, which is I need to work out. I need to call my mom. I need to go 
eat healthier or whatever. And I say, write it from an empowering place, which is if I really wanted to, I could. If I really wanted to, I could go work out. If I really wanted to, I could call my mom. If I really wanted to, I could go do the laundry, et cetera. And then ask, well, why am I not doing it? Why am I not? Well, because I actually, I really don't think I'm capable of it. Oh, actually, I really don't think people are going to like me. Oh, because this starts to then unearth the belief systems that are really there that are preventing you from also moving forward. And I share, share that because I think it's a practical example of how you can start to get underneath like all of these stories and what's driving you to like make your calendar so busy or why you constantly feel like there's this pressure that never ends that you need to do the next thing. And where is that really originating from? Yeah. When I think it's such a powerful exercise to do with people yeah. to help them develop clarity. And I just, terminology in general, I love studying terminology. Even when I talk to someone, if I'm working with them, it's like catching the small little things that they don't even know that they're saying. Totally. Even in my own life, it's like shifting from saying I have to do this to I get to do it, right? Whether it's that paying a bill sometimes. And in my license, I actually have a smiley face next to my signature. And I, because I have legally have to sign with a smiley face on it, just because I started that process thinking every time I have to pay a bill is like, I get to do this. I had a time in my life that I didn't have enough money to do this. So instead of saying, I have to do this, have a negative association, it's like, I have to look at life from a different perspective. And the terminology that we use is so powerful to helping us frame how we look at our reality and what we actually create long-term. Because again, we're, it's constantly giving ourselves a command with the words that we use. Yeah, yeah and that, that should word is one of the ones we talk about all the time. And, yeah. and how do you allow it to make you sit there and reflect about it and ask whether or not it's in your idea? Because a lot of the things on that list you were talking about, the answer of why you're not doing it is because you don't actually want to. Mm -hmm. It's not your idea. It's not right. your standard. It doesn't, it's not a priority to you. You're just doing it because you think that you have to. And so like in my experience with myself or with clients, it's always about, it's a lot easier to accomplish your goals when you eliminate all the ones that aren't your own. And that it's like the level at which most people are living according to other people's demands and expectations and trying to seek approval and trying to be the person other people want them to be like, this is, again, this is the work. Mm -hmm. This is what we're all here for is taking responsibility even for things like our language and the word, like what we say to ourselves and self-talk. I mean, we could go on and on. I'm like, like this is what we do, totally. right? But yeah. but it's it's that that's the key right there. Is that the the I guess the best way to put it? It's self awareness. Mm -hmm. That developing self awareness is the path, mm -hmm. and it will get you through all of the stages through your journey. Without that awareness, you're probably not even going to get to the point where you start to set a goal at all, or recognize there's something you want to change at all. But you can very much keep yourself stuck by not digging deeper and doing like you're saying and asking those questions. It's like, well, well, why? Yeah. And that, 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 that's the whole point. That's what being coachable is about. It's about willing, willing to develop your self-awareness and question yourself constantly and stick with how you feel about things and notice when you're avoiding or resisting and keep moving forward and stop putting so much damn pressure on yourself to be no. perfect. <laughs> It really is. I mean, you guys have built a library of resources for people to create this transformation, to create that self-awareness, to do the self-discovery work. 
and then to create those habits and rituals and and behaviors that are actually going to create a new reality for people. Can you talk about Transformation Academy? What is that? It what is it, and how can people start to do this work with a little bit of help and and support from your team? Can you talk about what you guys have going on? So so. Transformation Academy basically just started as Joelle and I having this overwhelming draw to develop ourselves, right? And as we did, it was like, oh, we'd find these great tools. We'd find things that worked for us. And we both had the same sort of instinct, like yourself or other people who are drawn to coaching, us to share it with other people, right? So, so many of the tools that we've developed over time have started from that. So it's really like, yes, of course, we're a coach training company and we teach entrepreneurs, but really it's it's all about personal development. And then coaches are just people who help people with co- personal development. And then we teach entrepreneurship because we're helping the coaches be able to reach the people to help them with their personal growth, right? So that's really the core of it. And we have like a few dozen courses that are really just for your own personal stuff. So whether it's like relationships, or you want to try different like art therapy to do on yourself or build up your confidence or happiness or like changing your life story or there's so many things, right? But it's all the things that we're passionate about. And then over time, we started bringing in other teachers as well. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's like, okay, well, we were coaches and then we constantly had coaches coming to us asking us like, how do you do what you do? And so then we started teaching them and it developed into training programs. And then as Joelle was saying, eventually started trying to put them online. And so that's how we ended up with all of these, these courses. And so it doesn't really matter whether you're someone who's just looking to continue to grow or you're someone who may want to be a coach or you're an entrepreneur. It's like we just create a platform where the knowledge is available and we you're very passionate about it being accessible. So we keep our costs very low so that everyone has the opportunity to do what we're talking about and continue to develop themselves and develop self-awareness and add tools to their toolbox. And that is what I talk about, like life sometimes is blessings that you couldn't even have seen if you, if you close yourself off to some of the pain. Because before I got sick, obviously we used to develop, we did a lot of conferences, workshops, trainings. We had, you know, work with state, regional, like federal grants, developing programs, I worked with many hospitals and schools and stuff like that. But really when I got sick and kind of shifted our perspective and then also changed, like, what is our priority? You know, we're working so many hours, but at the reality is to where we even making the impact that we want to make, are we living the life that we want to make and want to have? So that's kind of how transformation kind of developed. And like Natalie's saying, a lot of our courses are basically a step-by-step process for our coaches, the same thing. So, you know, like we have how to find your purpose, right? So then we have coaches that will take that and they'll actually get their clients something every week that they kind of work on. They already have the handouts and all the activities to get to a specific outcome. So we're all about like, this is what you want to have. Like again, the life purpose course is you want to develop an understanding of your meaning of your life, your purpose, what direction you want to take. Like we talked about before, I think that's one of the first keys for you to actually develop because then you have a big enough reason why. Mm-hmm. So it's a step-by-step process is finding that because it's not just saying, okay, this is who I am. This is what I want. It's like, you look at your conditioning, you look at some of your life experiences, and then you start dissecting all these questions that probe you to actually get to the answer that at your core, this is 
what I want to experience. And this is the contribution that I want to make to the world. So that's basically what it is. We have over 80 courses that we've created in that process. We have books. We have our own podcasts. We have a bunch of different things that we found and created in that. And again, it's just been a, a, a process of just allowing and not being attached to what our company was going to be, not even attached to the journey as much, just seeing opportunities to, to meet a need and then meeting it. Yeah, totally. I think we do have a code for you guys if they want to go get any of those courses. How can people find that library of courses such as Find Your Purpose? And where where do they need to go online? And I believe we have the coachable code that will give them access to 70% off business or other coaching. And you can get one as, for as low as $10, I believe. So can you tell people about where they can find that? Yes. So everything's at transformationacademy.com. Definitely use the special link that Tori is going to give you because it has a coupon code built into it that will give you that 70% off, which like our personal growth courses, like the purpose one he was talking about, any of those, it, it's like $10 and something cents at that price. And then our coach certifications come out to about $50 at that discount. So again, like we really genuinely care more about getting out there than charging like high ticket prices and stuff that most people in the coaching industry do. We're a little bit of rebels when it comes to that. But we just believe in it so much. And everything that's in there has transformed our life so much and then also like we have over a dozen other instructors that we handpicked to bring in content that's something outside of the scope of what we know about and we just we adore them they're wonderful people they're great at what they do we just we're very we really believe in it like we we get great readings for a reason yeah because our whole approach is we're very it's like practical application so it's not like reading a book that it might motivate your mind, but you can't apply it. Almost like the way the courses are designed, it kind of forces you to do the work. Mm-hmm. And that, so so we really mean it. We talk about like, you know, getting in there, taking responsibility, and that's how our programs are designed. So if, if you like to nerd out on worksheets and stuff like that, you're going to love it. Amazing. Well, we will make sure that that link, the special link to Transformation Academy with the 70% off discount code is linked in the show notes so that you guys can Go grab that. I really recommend dive into some of these programs and watch your life transform when you start to apply the work. You start to actually do the work and create that space for yourself to do the self-reflection and create that change. You guys, you're amazing. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your commitment to getting this information out there and to making it accessible for people. I don't know anybody that's doing it at this price point. And I can tell just from from our conversation that, that the value is so there in terms of the the courses that you provide for people. Is there anything else you want people to know before we wrap up today? Well, the only thing I would say is, you know, thank you for having us on. It's not, it's truly honored for us, but also thank you for what you bring to the world. Mm-hmm. I know that you've had to deal with, you know, your own set of griefs, your own pain and transformation and everything. And thank you for honoring that inner voice that said, you know, I have a greater purpose, I have an impact, and I'm going to plant those seeds of change in people. And I think that for those listening to you, I just wish that they would continue to look at you as an example of what's possible in life to help them be motivated, not just motivated, but actually develop tools, practical tools that they can use, because obviously that's what your life is about, right? Putting people in front of them that's going to help them do that. So 
thank you again. And thank you for just being a blessing. Yeah. And I just want to really reiterate the same message that I don't think people understand how important it is for people who have a platform like you do that are willing to be real because there's a lot of fake stuff out there. There's a lot of people who are just trying to, you know, look pretty and make themselves look perfect. And you're getting there in your car where you're having a breakdown about going to the gym and you're being honest and you're putting it out there. And I just want to recognize you for being one of the very small minority of people who have the platform you have that are doing that and that how incredibly helpful it really is. And I just love, I love your, your followers already knowing that, that they would pick someone like you to get their information from because you just exude that authenticity. And I love that in the weird world we live in. It matters so much. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for seeing that in me. And again, it's in it's in you because you can see it in me and and you guys are, are like kindred spirits. I feel it. And I want to make, you know, make sure we get together. If I'm down in Tampa, we will have this conversation maybe around a dinner table or something. But you're welcome back anytime on this show. I again, I just appreciate your commitment to, to doing the work in your own lives and sharing that with the world and giving people the tools and resources and experiences to transform the, their lives from the inside out. Because truly, this is an inside out job. And we need those guides and that roadmap because we don't have to start from scratch, you guys. If, if you're contemplating diving into this work, don't think you have to, you know, create the wheel. The wheel has been created. <laughs> Just learn how to how to like write it. And and these guys have certainly given you a great place to and foundation to start from. So thank you, Joelle and Natalie for being here. You guys, if you got value from this show, please leave us a rating in our Apple on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. That is the number one way to say thank you and to make sure that this show gets out to more listeners. Also share it with a friend. You don't know whose life you could touch or transform simply by giving them the link to this episode because it's an invitation. When you do that, you don't know what you're inviting people to step into, a whole new reality that can unfold for somebody. My life was transformed when somebody sent me a podcast similar to this and you can be that hero for somebody else. So thank you for being an active listener, for applying the information that you get here and then going and being the change that we need in the world. I love you. Go be coachable. I'll see you next week on the Coachable Podcast.